Hello and welcome to Hawkeye Nation. This is Hotcast, your Iowa football, basketball, and recruiting podcast brought to you by Go Iowa Awesome and Rivals.com. I'm your recruiting analyst and host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter, joined by Adam Jacoby, publisher of the site, as well as managing editor Ross Binder. Before we get started, make sure you hit that subscribe button, whether you're on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're at. Drop that like, and then, of course, hit us with a comment as well. Your thoughts on today's game. Of course, that's what we're talking about. Caitlin Clark breaking Pete Maravich's all-time NCAA scoring record. And so much more from the day. Celebrities, fortunately, injuries. We're going to be talking about the Women's Big Ten Tournament. Those seeds were determined today as well. I've got my blue light glasses on because it is late at night. But we are getting you the content that you want and need. So, Adam. You have been on the women's beat all year. I I don't even know where to start. Like what what questions to ask? Caitlin breaks this record. The environment was absolutely insane. This is my first time at a regular season women's game. Of course, I went to uh, crossover at Kinnick this this fall, but like I don't know where to start. I feel like you'd have a better grasp considering that you've been there throughout this whole season. Yeah, the atmosphere at women's games has been unbelievable all year and yet even by Iowa basketball standards even by the Caitlin Clark show standards what we witnessed today Sunday was conservatively a top three game of Iowa season at Carver Hawkeye Arena and most likely was the loudest environment that they've had all year and that is saying a lot. That is, I mean, we're talking rarefied air here. We got there at before 9 a.m., one, uh, and there were people that had been waiting, that had been tailgating. I mean, we're talking about tailgating for a women's basketball game. Like, just, just stop there. <laughs> tailgating on a Sunday morning for a women's basketball game. That happens in Iowa City. That happened Sunday. And people were lined up and because for the college game day thing, they weren't doing assigned ticketed seating until uh, 1020. So while the uh, hosts were there on the court, it was just everybody for themselves. And so people were rushing down to the seats just to be able to get there, just to be able to soak in that atmosphere. And it was an atmosphere that every other athletic department in the nation would kill for that again not an exaggeration anybody everybody wishes that their women's basketball team could put together an environment like carver hawkeye today that is fact it was packed it was loud it was boisterous it was uh, like and it wasn't Casual fans. It wasn't people there to see Travis Scott, although Travis Scott was there. It was, I mean, people were invested. People were trying to will Iowa to victory. Iowa didn't need the help, as it turns out. But, like, that's what they were there to do. They were there to be basketball fans and to be loud and to be supportive and all that. And they just so happened to also be there for one of the most, like, entertaining groups of characters and peoples and shows that, uh, they could possibly see. So it was 
I mean, Elliot, you saw a great one. <laughs> you saw an absolutely great one. But even the ones that didn't hit this level over the course of the season were amazing in and of themselves, too. So, um, Ross, I had people texting me saying that it sounded loud on TV and this and that. But how did like how did Fox talk about the environment and, and how did it come through to viewers? Yeah, I mean, it came through extremely well. It was, you know, every time there was a eruption from the crowd, you could tell it was, I mean, it was, there was a constant buzz of noise for most of the game. And then there were just like eruptions of peak noise when, you know, someone made a three or there was a steal or a big play or just anything good happening. Um, it was, it was just notably uh, got even louder, but there was just a kind of a electric buzz for the entire game from start to finish, just, you know, just from the crowd essentially. And I mean, as far as the Fox announcers, it was uh, Gus Johnson and um, Sarah Kostek, I think. And uh, you know, they were, uh, you, were you going to say something at them? Nope. Nope. Keep going. Oh, okay. Uh, and I mean, they were just thrilled to be in that environment and calling this game. And, you know, anytime you, Announcers, you know, they feed off the, the game, they feed off the crowd, and, you know, it makes your job so much easier when you don't have to do much work to gin up excitement for a game when it, everything is starting at, like, a 9.5 on the excitement level out of 10. So it's like, hey, all right, this is going to be good. And, uh, yeah, so they were just, uh, you know, kind of just try there to document what was happening and, you know, carry things along for the ride. So now, Elliot, you were, you happen to know a little bit about exactly how loud it got at Carver Hawkeye Arena. I was actually just going to share this with you. I got to find the tweet again because I lost it, but it's on my, here we go. So I was sitting next to Scott Docterman during the game. Um, of course, of The Athletic does incredible work, has been really gracious to us from the get go. And he was talking with me a little bit. He's got a monitor for sound on his phone that he checks repeatedly through games, especially when it gets, it gets loud. And this is a tweet verbatim from Scott. He said several times today, Iowa has hit 116 decibels and rarely below 105 in game action. The most persistently loud indoor sporting event I've covered. Scott's been doing it for a long time. That yes. says a lot. And I mean, uh, he said it it's several times. It wasn't once. It wasn't a game-winning shot. It was Gabby Marshall's and one three where she ultimately missed the free throw. But the corner three that she hit, I think it was in the third quarter, third, fourth quarter. It was an incredible pass by Caitlin. I believe it was cross-court to the corner that she drilled it. There was one of Kylie Fearbox's 17 steals or deflections or what have you. She was phenomenal today. Um that ultimately led to a layup by Hannah Stolke. I'm sure there were others. Like, even just, like, the first four or five baskets were bonkers. Insane. Oh, yeah. and, I mean, I, I'm sitting there. I, I've attended a good amount of games at, at Carver now through this season. We don't need to compare it to the men. We don't. Because it's different. Caitlin Clark is different. This team is different. I've never had goosebumps covering a game in Carver Hawkeye until today. Those first five baskets, 
the national anthem, the the pregame atmosphere, the amount of little girls, the amount of little boys that were in this arena saying, I want to be like Caitlin is incredible, man. Like there were moments throughout the game, a sad one, which we'll talk about momentarily, but there were moments throughout the game and pregame where like I'm a pretty sentimental guy. I was fighting back some emotion like this is massive for it to happen back in and happen in Iowa, in Iowa City to a girl who's fr I mean, from a from a woman who's from Iowa to break not only Kelsey Plum's record, but uh, Lynette what, uh, Woodard. Mm -hmm. Right. OK, I right, brain fart. I know her name. Um, Lynette Woodard's record. Um, and then Pete Maravich, who we all know, Pistol Pete. 44.2 points per game, break that record. And Lynette Woodard be in the building and receive a standing ovation from the crowd. You could tell how much that meant to her. She had said that she never experienced a basketball game or, or arena or environment like that for women's basketball because it's different in Iowa City. And you could tell how much that meant to her. When she was standing out at center court, everybody gave the standing ovation. She was pumping them up. You could It was palpable from where we were sitting. We were nowhere near half court. You could feel it, how much it meant to her. And I'm getting goosebumps remembering it. Exactly. Because you're right. Everything that you're describing is exactly right. And like, like seriously, guys, I, I don't know if, <laughs> yeah. it, if it comes through on Zoom, but like seriously, goosebumps because you know, uh, oh, 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 here's here's a perfect example. Um, if you Google Lynette Woodard, one of the first things that's going to come up is a, a page. I, I think it's like KUMemorialUnion.com or something like if you see that in the Google results, this is what I'm talking about. But what it also links to is an article from when she broke that career record in 1981 with that water. And um, the, the article, which again was written in 1981, uh, speaks very warmly about the fact that 1,100 people were there to watch her break the record. That was a big deal back then. 1,100. So, you know, Woodard did get an opportunity to be uh, an Olympian and win a gold medal. You know, it was in L.A. when the Russians weren't playing the U.S., but hey, gold is gold. You know, she did get an opportunity to be a Harlem Globetrotter. But to be able to stand at midcourt of a sold-out college arena to get that standing ovation as a recognition of that career that she had, not as an Olympian, not as a, I, I, I don't want to be rude to the Globetrotters and call them a sideshow, but for her work as a basketball player, as a women's basketball player, as a women's college basketball player, she got to live out something that she didn't get to live out when she was Caitlin's age, when she was that formative, like when she was the goat before the goat, when she was the goat before Cheryl Miller, as a matter of fact, when she was uh, uh, the, the the role model essentially for Lisa Bluter when Bluter was playing at UNI. Um, this was her opportunity, and Iowa deserves an incredible amount of credit for making it happen, but this was her opportunity to be given those flowers by a crowd that is not only big, but knows how important she was 
to the sport and to Lisa Bluter and to Jan Jensen. And it's also very helpful that Bluter and Jensen talk so glowingly about Lynette Woodard beyond lip service, beyond what somebody who was being insincere about it would think would be enough, right? Woodard mattered to Bluter and, and the, the history involved in all of that matters to Bluter as a former AIAW athlete herself. And so, yeah, th this felt like, uh, ooh, I don't want to call it a, a, a wrong being righted, but this felt overdue um, just by the sport in general. And, and the fact that she got to have that moment while wearing a Jayhawk pin, let, let, you know, like she is still a Jayhawk, but she got to have that at Carver Hawkeye Arena, standing there on that Tiger Hawk. And, and uh, there was even one moment near the end where she got to hug Caitlin Clark uh, when, when they were celebrating the, um, the, the record breaking after the game. And uh, Caitlin said, anytime you want to uh, come be our good luck charm, uh, please do. <laughs> and like, it was that, like, they want to still have Lynette be part of the program's fabric because it does matter to them that much and and not just for a moment but for as long as you know that relationship can last so yeah the fact that they went so far out of their way to make that such an uh, atmosphere and experience for Lynette boy there's I mean what do you say right what they're, they're, they're I don't even know how to put how great that is into words guys I really don't to to me, I think this just repeatedly speaks to Coach Bluter and her appreciation for the game, for where she came from, for what and who set the standard of of sport. And she's passed that appreciation, respect, and knowledge to her players. I mean, we saw, we also saw Caitlin, Caitlin Clark's idol, Maya Moore, today. So Caitlin got to have her idol, her, her role model. Coach Bluter did too. And like, to, for them to get the recognition that it, it, you could kind of feel from Lynette, it was, I don't want to, I don't want to make this maybe something that it's not, but it was like, it was like a finally. It, it was it was uh these people get it these people know what i had to do and they they really truly appreciate what i was able to accomplish not just for being the fun the first woman to be a harlem globetrotter the the uh the woman to win an olympic medal it's the woman who did all those things on the court at, at kansas basket for kansas basketball and it wasn't even Kansas fans. It was Iowa fans. Um, it's it's like, how do you not, how can you not romanticize that moment? How can you not romanticize women's basketball? Um, Iowa Hawkeyes women's basketball. And there's one photo that I am really happy. There are a couple. I tweeted this this out today. If you want to see any, any photos of signs and fans, you can head over to my Twitter. It's at Elliot Clough. It's all right there for you um i'm so happy i did this i'm so happy yahoo and the the rivals national 
uh, incentivized us or, or told us to walk around and get photos, get video, because there are a couple that really stuck out and uh, stuck out rather. There's an older gentleman who held, held up a sign that said, I've waited 70 years for this. That's not it. A woman who had a big pom-pom. You could tell she had a big personality just by looking at her. It's a sign that said four title nine. Like, how do you not see somebody who, who was able to go through and watch the, uh, what, what Lynette did before the NCAA and not think, hell yeah, hell yeah. I mean, it's, it's so it, it, like it was that finally moment for, for Lynette, but it, and it's been that finally moment for these women who, saw title nine come to fruition um and and have seen the the sport grow um so it's it's not only like for example when we're talking about the little girls and little boys looking up to caitlin did you guys read that article that was in um the i think it was the star tribune uh, of a father who wrote an open yes. it was like an open letter to caitlin um so I'm I, I'm 27. So it's starting to get into the point where might get married, might have kids here sooner rather than later. Um, and for the first time in my life, I've thought about being a girl dad as opposed to uh, just having a boy like the guy mentioned in the article. And I got a little emotional when the uh, when his daughter looked up to him and said she made that because she practices it so much. Right, daddy? I was like, oh, right in the heart. <laughs> and. And so. I just felt that all morning, all afternoon, not only for the little girls and the little boys, but the women who accomplished what they have and got to see Caitlin accomplish what she has. Like it was, it was, it was almost like a divine, like I, I, I don't mean to be hyperbolic. I hope I'm not, but it's almost like a divine afternoon. Like the, there was a, there was a weight to today there was a heaviness that you only feel in incredible moments like that so somebody stop me before i start to tear up <laughs> the um one of the things that i liked best about that letter to the editor from the star tribune uh was uh sort of a recognition and a I'll, we'll call it a vulnerability from uh the gentleman that that wrote that letter because you know, he wasn't trying to make the case that, you know, he didn't know how to talk to his daughter, this or that. But, you know, the the, the connection for them, like he and, and I've heard this from other dads and, and other girl dads, too, is, you know. It's not always as easy to make that connection to to be able to meet them at their level or have them meet them or have them meet you at your level in terms of what your shared interests are right and so he got to learn how to share that interest with his daughter and and to to feel that connection grow deeper and 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 more rewarding and you know it's some people might hear that and say, well, you know, that, why would you admit that this, that, or like, oh, why, but, you know, the fact that he's willing to experience that, see it for what it is, um, process it and, and 
you know, expresses gratitude for getting to that place with his daughter um, is a very emotionally mature, um, you know, response to being able to experience this all. And and one more thing that I'll I'll, I'll throw in there, Elliot. Um, shout out to Brian Ray, uh, the tremendous photographer for the University of Iowa, because not only does he create some of the most unbelievable uh, photography and, and images uh, that like, not only is he a worthy uh, documentarian for lack of a better term for uh, something like this, but after that letter went out, he went back and looked through his um, archive of photos. He found Caitlin signing the gentleman's, um, I, I, I don't know if it was a poster or shoes or a jersey, or, but signing whatever it was that the gentleman mentioned in his letter. Like he found it and put it on Twitter and says, hey, I think this was you. I hope you enjoyed us. Like that is such a tremendously gracious thing to do. Because again, he didn't have to, right? No one was, no one was, banging down his door and saying, you owe this guy a photo, this or that. It was like, that is the sort of selflessness and, and, um, you know, care for whatever this culture is that, that really defines what Iowa women's basketball is about. And yeah, absolutely. It starts with uh, Lisa Bluter and Jan Jensen and the other assistants that they've had for so long. Um, and the culture that they instill and, you know, reinforce, um, like that is, it reflects on them, but it also reflects on the people that are around too. And um, so it's, it's been incredibly gratifying to see uh, uh, in, in a way that is only tangentially related to sports. And meanwhile, the sports are unbelievable too. Like we're talking about a 26 and 14. We're talking about a team that is um, still, I don't want to call them a final four favorite, but they are more likely than most two seeds to make the final four. They, they are, they still have national championship aspirations and they play one of the most exciting brands of basketball you're going to see in men's or women's like, it's up tempo. It's fast paced. They play offense. They play defense. Like this is what basketball aesthetically should look like. This is this is the fun basketball, and they play that too. On top of being, I you know I'm trying to stay objective here, but on top of being good and caring people, they play great basketball too. And how how do you not buy season tickets for that? How do you not show up for that? How do you not break 116 decibels for that, right? Like, of course, when you look at it, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Retweet. I agree with all that. <laughs> Speaking of, as, as we talk a little bit more about the environment, the list of people who were there today on top of Lynette Woodard, on top of Maya Moore, Travis Scott was in the building. The <laughs> So one of our friends from the Tennessee rival site, Ryan Sylvia sent me a screenshot of the photo that, or the video that I got of, uh, of Travis going, let's go Iowa. And I said, today was a total trip. 
we definitely live in a simulation. Like, what the hell was that? Jake from State Farm? There was just like, <laughs> Caitlin breaks the record. Like, I, 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 the list goes on and on from today. It was crazy. The way Travis Scott was vibing to the pet band was hilarious. He comes over and shakes Lisa Bluter's hand. Like, it was just a absolutely wild day with a wild list of attendees by the way got a photo of of jake from state farm in the the tunnel before the game and he uh he was taking photos with other people that were just in there and he saw that i was trying to get a photo of him before he before i went back out on the court he's wearing the custom jacket that he got from uh use check what's her first name Kristen. so That's it's right yeah, I, yeah. I yeah she's a big big deal yeah exactly so i got the photo of him he smiled and then he did like a he was very much in character all day anyway um i got the photos and i said thank you man and he points at me with a smile and says appreciate you bro and like it's just the craziness of all of the things lining up from today was just insane oh. nolan nolan ryan was there is that what you just were going to say, Ross? Yeah, I was going to say. And don't forget that Nolan Ryan was randomly there, too. Like, <laughs> why? Just, why? I don't know why. I don't understand. But <laughs> Nolan Ryan, one of the greatest pitchers of all time, was at Carver to watch Iowa play Ohio State. It's just insane. Maybe they, you know, know. The, the, the strikeout king wanted to watch the points queen. You know, like... <laughs> They do something great, I mean, better than anybody else, over and over. I mean, there, there's something great, to it. Greatness recognizes greatness, obviously. So, yeah, the just the the amount of people that made the trip to to Iowa City, man, that flew in to CID more than likely, and then either got a rental car or or something, took the trip down to Iowa City. The list of photos that i got of people saying i traveled xyz miles traveled from i got florida georgia washington state somebody drove a thousand miles somebody drove 13 hours um there there's a wyoming in there was I, there? I don't know if that made a sign but but i i did hear about somebody who had driven from wyoming Man, for this they drove yeah. they drove through nebraska to see caitlin clark <laughs> That is telling, I tell you That's what. That's dedication. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't necessarily have a whole lot of other things to, to reference in regards to the list of celebrities who were there. I, to be quite frank, I'm kind of surprised there weren't more. I mean, Theo Vaughn was, was in the building for the Michigan game when she broke Kelsey Plum's uh, record. I think there were some other ones. Um, who uh, Who's the guy that plays the coach in the... the football oh, show jason sudeikis yeah yes. jason sudeikis yeah. made it earlier this season I, did sue bird make a game yeah, like, yeah. She, she was at she was at the game with sudeikis that's what i thought um i mean and again this goes back to the first thing that you said adam is for women's basketball who would have thought man i mean 10 five years ago 10 years ago i mean i i I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought that I, I never would have guessed, let alone to have a crowd that reacted that way. It was just phenomenal from top to bottom the whole day. 
Yeah, you could make the case, and I appreciate you mentioning even like five years ago, because five years ago, like Megan Gustafson was one of the best players we had ever seen wear an Iowa basketball uniform. And you can absolutely make the case that these crowds should have been this big for her too. You know, and there's a whole lot of people that would say like, yeah, where were you guys? However, Caitlin Clark is a one of one. And, and there is something elementally pure about the basketball that she plays that draws people in. And Elliot, like you mentioned, it's the kids. Kids gravitate to Caitlin Clark in a way that they didn't for, well, I mean, Megan Gustafson. And, and clearly it's not something that is a, a reflection of character because Megan Gustafson is one of the purest people we've ever seen like regardless of the basketball like 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 a genuinely great person but people didn't show up quite like this for her ross what's up yeah i, I was gonna say i mean let's be honest logo threes are cool uh post you know the post work in the paint is it's it's awesomely effective it's not as cool as a logo three so yeah. are, are, are people not selling out carver for the mic and drill come on now. <laughs> Did did Meg uh, so Meg was before my time of watching women's basketball? I'll I'll fully admit it. I I think the the game has made incredible leaps and bounds, and she was foundational to that. Did she run the floor like Hannah Stolke does? No, but Hannah Stolke was a track star. Okay, you know? yeah. I was just gonna say like maybe hey, that's a little like fun, exciting part. Yeah. Well, I mean she she would have got a lot of transition buckets playing with Caitlin Clark. No oh, Caitlin would have loved playing well, with Megan. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. we might see it in the WNBA because it's not like the Fever can't pry Gustafson away from, um, I think she's still in Phoenix, but I might be wrong. Actually, she might have she might have moved over the offseason. But regardless, we're talking about somebody who is a, you know, a bench piece at the WNBA level. And, hey, great for Gustafson for sticking around this long because she had to try really hard to uh, expand her game and it took her a while and she didn't make the WNBA right away. But with her, you know, you, you have to call them, a, you know, size limitations with quotation marks because we're talking about someone who's what, 6'3". Um, but, you know, that that's not the same as being 6'7", like Cardoso at uh, South Carolina. Right. Yep. You can't play post and strictly exclusively post in the WNBA at 6'3". You just can't. And and so you can, you can make a ton of money overseas, and that's what Gustafson has been doing in the meantime, and, and play post like that. I think she's with the London Lions as we speak, but and she's also going to play for the Spanish national team, Ole. But <laughs> in terms of playing for the W... The fact that she has added a perimeter shot to her game, just, you know, something she never had to do at Iowa, never had to do in high school, but she wants to play here, start stroking threes, and that's exactly what she's learned how to do too. So she is valuable. And you can absolutely say like, hey, if you're the fever, like trade a second round pick for Gustafson, just put her and Caitlin in the the same room and just like see what happens right like like let's just let them practice together for a month if it works great and if not uh you know it's a second round pick you know you got so I, you I, got a leah I boston like to... to to start 
Yeah. If you have a Leah yeah, Boston yeah, yeah. to start Meg Gustafson off the bench, I think you'll be okay. Yeah. And uh, also Kelsey Mitchell, who's one of the last names that um, Clark had to pass for the women's record. Yeah. She's also your shooting guard. <laughs> so good luck. It's, yeah. I mean, she's, that's, Caitlin's that's, walking that's... into a pretty great spot. That's one and two all time in the Big Ten in scoring and three pointers right there, Clark and Mitchell. So around Aaliyah Boston. That's right. Yeah. That's a lot of that's a lot of points. Um, I just wanted to go back to the crowd for a second. Um, and you talking about just like the growth of the game, just just in the four years that Caitlin Clark has been here. You know, they mentioned after the game, I think, in the senior day uh stuff, or maybe it was towards the end of the broadcast, I forget, but you know, they when I when she started at Iowa, you know, she essentially started playing against, you know, cardboard cutout with cardboard cutouts in the stands because of COVID. Her first year was that that co- that weird COVID post-COVID year. And then, you know, even after you know that was relaxed, there were still games when she was, you know, in her early years at Iowa, when Iowa still used a curtain to cover up some of the seats because it, you know, it wasn't wasn't a sellout wasn't you know they weren't selling eight ten thousand seats even or whatever so you know and that was four you know three four years ago and to get from that point to where it is now where they sold out the entire season in the summer in you know no time flat and then this game had you know either the most expensive or one of the most expensive tickets on the secondary market for a women's basketball game i mean it's it's almost it's hard to comprehend almost just how rapid and massive the growth and interest and uh, you know crowd sizes have been. It's just it's remarkable, I think. Speaking of crowd sizes, growth of the game, I think for I, I, I can't speak for everyone when I say this, particularly my generation of sports fans. When we grew up thinking of women's college basketball, UConn, across the board. Caitlin Clark said growing up, because of Maya Moore, she thought she was going to go to UConn. I'm assuming you caught that today in the presser, Adam. Oh, yeah. yeah I was yeah. like, there was a moment of, oh, crap. Like, <laughs> uh, I, I guess. And then she added, obviously, that didn't happen. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Glad we're on the same page there. <laughs> I mean, there, there's an alternate timeline out there where she went to UConn or she went to Notre Dame, and those are dark timelines. So we're just going to ignore those. Exactly. Um, speaking of, oh, what was I going to say? So we're talking about, I legit don't remember what I was saying. Did you have something to say to continue there, Ross? The dark timelines. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I think you were just saying that when you were growing up, UConn was, you know, the program um, right. of its day. And, uh, you know, that has that has changed in recent years that UConn's still very much, you know, a premier program. But there's South Carolina is, you know, every bit is good now. And, you know, for the last few years, thanks to Clark and Bluter and, and the rest of the team, Iowa has been, you know, within that that group as well. They're 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 there now maintaining that spot is incredibly difficult but uh you know with clark it's uh, uh you know it's 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 going to be a great run for the next month i'm sure and also i i think uh ross to your point 
I was standing as a program has been, if not permanently elevated, certainly elevated and will stay elevated past when Caitlin leaves. And uh, one perfect example is the fact that uh, come December, Iowa will be playing at the Barclays Center in this doubleheader, and and that involves also, uh, I believe it's uh, UConn, Tennessee, and um, Kansas. Kansas. I think I was playing Kansas. All right, then there you go. Um, so yeah, like blue blood territory, all the way through and through. Because if, if all they were trying to do is get some rub off of Caitlin, then they would be a year too late, right? The uh, probably ostensibly the most high profile player on that team next season is going to be Hannah Stulke. And Hannah is not quite the um, magnet for attention that Caitlin Clark is. And, and neither am I, right? Like neither are any of us. Caitlin's a one of one. I don't know. Uh, in, in terms I have 6,000 followers on Twitter, so... <laughs> Well, Nike's going to be putting out the Clough Ones at any moment now. Huh? <laughs> Who's this Clow One? Who is this guy? <laughs> but like, well, like Iowa is taking that step up and and probably will have that elevated stature, especially if the recruiting you know comes along in tow. But that that stature is going to stick around for I would say as long as Lisa Bluter is there. Ross, do you agree? Absolutely. And I was just going to piggyback on that. And you mentioned the recruiting and there were some massive, you know, national recruits at today's game, some top 20 overall recruits uh, in the 25 and 26 classes, Emily Skinner, Addison Bjorn, Madden Greenway, uh, who is the daughter of Iowa's own Chad Greenway. So, you know, that's nice. doesn't hurt. Um, so, I mean, you know, there's still a long way to go to, to get them and into any of them and for them to play and everything. But Iowa definitely has the ability to compete on a higher level of recruiting now than they did before Caitlin Clark, which is essential to maintaining, you know, their ability to, to, in, to stay in that elite level. And, you know, having them in a game like this, I cannot imagine you could not script a better recruiting advertisement or trip or scenario than what they had today. Like those girls are going to go to a lot of games and see a lot of programs and consciously or not, they will compare all of them to the game they were at today and the Iowa fans and the Iowa team and program they saw today. And, you know, there will be other factors that they consider in their decisions, of course. But the, the, Im the impression that uh, Iowa made today cannot be anything but a massive positive uh, for them. Elliot, you were going to say something, I think. You know, what we didn't mention on the list of folks who attended Holly Rowe, emceed Iowa Senior Night. What a flex, dude. Yeah. <laughs> to be able to do that and to talk about the state of the program and, and Coach Bluter with all these recruits there. I mean, oh, yeah. like, I was a very mediocre track athlete, but if, uh, <laughs> and who barely made D1 and was a walk on. But if I had this opportunity to whatever the equivalent of Holly Rowe is in track and field, be like, where do I sign that signing <laughs> period? I heard they're I heard they're making three of them now. Is is there one of them tomorrow? Because sign me up. I you don't have to give me any any nil money. I just want to be. No, just kidding. I would not say that. But I would want to be 
part of it. Like, and, and to be at a school that can offer NIL money to the women and will and chooses to, you know, be part of and then focus on NIL with the women's team. And that has Caitlin Clark, who is a national commodity in NIL. Like, we can do this. We've done it. Look at this. Yeah, it's proof and, of concept. Exactly. And yeah. are, are continuing to recruit the state of Iowa as well, bringing in uh, the, that girl who just won a state title from Solon. I think she's in the 24 class. I'm not oh, following no. recruiting. Kelly Levin. There you go. And I've just brought in a recruit from Alaska to visit. Like this is, this is a, if, if Iowa is on a women's basketball is on an upward trajectory, I don't know how, but like, they're making it happen. They're they're getting their money's worth, like State Farm did with Jake today. <laughs> they got their money's worth. Let me tell you, it's almost as good as Cheez It did in the Cheez It Citrus Bowl this <laughs> this football season. But the amount of things that add up to being the place that. A, a girl who's looking for a home and a place that she can grow her game and probably make some money and, and, and have fun and be around, like you said it, Adam, good people. Like, I have no idea how these girls have stayed grounded to the degree that they have. No idea. If I, if I was Caitlin Clark, my head wouldn't fit through any doorway in the house <laughs> that I'm in right now, let alone like, molly davis who we haven't talked about yet but like oh my gosh it's an, it's incredible I, I i i you find yourself at a loss for words that's what i meant when when i say that or when i said that it was almost divine it was almost a religious experience today because of of the the sheer amount of positive factors and elements to this team the situation the rising of the sport and and everything that goes into it now oh adam do you have something you want to say there's one game that i've ever compared to a religious experience one one iowa hawkeyes game that i've ever compared to that and it was iowa penn state football 2021 like that environment was prior to what the caitlin clark show became that environment, and, and it was one of the first games where we really got to see that north end zone of Kinnick Stadium really flex its muscles and, and really, like, the the noise is going to become its own main character in this whole situation. Like, the, the fans are taking this thing over, whether anybody likes it or not. That was the first and only time where I was ever like, man, holy crap. Until today. And today felt like something, like you said, Elliot, something larger than just people sitting in a room watching these 10 people play basketball. It, it felt like a lot more. And, and some of it was the history surrounding it. Some of it was, you know, un understanding, uh, I mean, the fact that they brought out Lynette Woodard, uh, the, the fact that they brought out um, you know, and, and celebrated these, uh, young women, you know, for senior day and, and really like drove home how well connected they are. Like, it's impossible to see all that and not 
internalize some of it and, and not say, yeah, having that culture is really great. Like, I, it's awesome that I get to, like, that fans get to cheer for that. Like, if, if I were a fan and I got to see not only this team, you know, this number 16 or number six team in the nation beat number two and, and really control the game from start to finish. But there's nothing to feel bad about it, too. Like, you, you don't have to plug your nose and look the other way of about no one's causing trouble there there's no like it's it's something a little bit pure and and how do you not feel something about that right that it it, it feels like this is what sport ought to be about regardless of anything else like this is why sports are good that's what we saw at carver today i would say so we cannot continue without talking about Molly Davis. Yeah. Unfortunate injury that happened in the first half. Um, it was one of those moments that I nearly got emotional today is when she was being carried off and the crowd started to chant, Molly, Molly, Molly. Where else does that happen? Um, a very sad moment for what has been such a fun season for her. Um, in that role, a breakout year for her. I think that's something we started talking about um, at the crossover at Kinnick. Um, and it did come to fruition. She was so fun to watch this year. Uh, I mentioned on a podcast, I think a couple weeks ago, that my girlfriend knows who Molly Davis is now, right? Like, she's just so easy to cheer for, so easy to root for. She goes down with an apparent knee injury. We don't know the extent of it. We won't know what it is until tomorrow. That's what, what Lisa Bluter said post-game. Um, so that's that's the first thing we have to say in regards to her injury is, golly, that sucks. That just flat-out sucks. On what was supposed to be such a positive, fun day, to have that be a factor in it just blows. Um, especially as women's Big Ten tournament it's right around the corner, um, and and the NCAA tournament is as well. Raiden Roberts, uh, one of our women's writers, is is on it, talking, going to be talking about how Iowa will replace a player like Molly in the starting, or I guess in the I guess in the starting lineup, but but in the lineup in general. Um, Adam, when you look at that, and again, we'll we'll have that in the description once Braden gets that article out. But um, when you look at that situation. Who do you think they'll look to, to, you can't replace a player like Molly, but to fill that absence in, in the lineup? Is it, is it Kylie Fearbach? Is she going to be getting more minutes? Is it somebody else that they're going to look to? What What's it going to look like? Well, I actually uh, touched on this in the uh, number three of my deep three in the uh, in the recap because like how do you not talk about how Iowa recovers from this uh, we saw a little bit about or we saw a little bit from Iowa in the second half that might be a little instructive in how they uh, respond to the um, Molly Davis injury and, and you know you don't want to assume but based on how long she was down based on the fact that they had to carry her off based on the fact that they had her entire leg wrapped, which says, Hey, we're worried about swelling. And, you know, we, 
this is probably going to need some surgery. And I mean, the fact that it's already March, um, I, I hope I'm wrong, but it really does seem like this is it for her year. And that would be a real, real shame. So you do have to talk about what is going to come next. And so far, I mean, we saw a little bit of Taylor McCabe and she was a little bit in over her head uh, against the Ohio State defense, but more, uh, we saw a lot more of Kylie Fierbach. She played 10 minutes in the second half. All four of her steals came in that second half when she was just jumping passing lanes over and over to the point where it's like, I'm not sure Ohio State expected uh, Kylie to be playing defense, right? Like it was, she was so disruptive to what they were doing, especially in that third quarter that like the Buckeyes looked legitimately taken off guard by her defensive uh, intensity. So um, Phil Parker ought to be giving her a call. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, Ben, ben uh, Keeter won't be the only dual sport athlete here soon enough. <laughs> Hey, I mean, Caitlin even said, like, this is the way Kylie always plays, long arms, uh, you know, great eyes for the ball. Like, the it's all there. Quinn Schulte, your job is not safe, young man. Not safe at all. No. <laughs> Why'd you come but... back, Quinn? Why'd you come back, man? <laughs> Portal it up, Schulte. No. Um, <laughs> but it, to actually get this one back on track, um, you know, Fearbach brings some of the things to the table that Molly Davis can do. Um, Tania Folter can do some of the things that Molly Davis can do. Uh, you know, Folter does some other things better than Molly, but, um, you know, Gabby Marshall has been starting next to Molly. So how much you want to put on her plate, you know, we'll see. Uh, but in terms of a like one-to-one -one apples to apples, you know, Gabby is probably the closest you're going to come to a skill match. But even then, Gabby is not the open court creator uh, that Molly Davis is. Because and nobody other than Caitlin Clark is either on this team. And so, like, we're, we're not running down anybody on this roster by saying that they are not quite what Molly Davis is. It's just like you could say that about most of the rest of the Big Ten, too. Um, but what we've seen from Gabby is not quite the improvisational, um, I mean, whirling dervish sort of play that you see from Molly on, on a basically game by game basis. I mean, the fact that she is so consistently brilliant in the way that she plays, um, that's going to be tough. That, that, that just, I guess, unpredictability that, that next level chess, understanding of where to be before the defense knows that they're supposed to be covering there. Um, you know, that is probably too much to ask out of one player. But when you look at the things that a Folter can do, when you look at the things that Gabby can do, when you look at the things that Kylie can do and you say, all right, well, you know, if they each get seven more minutes, then there's 21 taken care of right there out of, you know, that would have been coming from Molly. You know, that's a way to get there. But then even on top of that, you know, we learned today that Kenise Johnson, the point guard, is out for the year too. Uh, she had suffered what we believe is an ankle injury uh, at practice. So she was on crutches. She's listed as out for the season. So that's two point guards. And Kenise was at the end of the bench. But 
you know, that end of the bench just got one person closer with Molly Davis being out and now Knees is out. Like that's two people with ball handling skills that, you know, especially in March might be a little bit valuable. Uh, Molly more so than Knees, but I mean, regardless, that is going to require a little bit of step up from the rotation players uh, around Caitlin Clark and, and everybody else. Does Iowa have that in them? That's an open question. I mean, that is because when you look back at when Molly Davis was sick and she was technically playing, but not playing very often, Iowa went two and two. Iowa does not have two more losses this season that they can afford because that second one is going to be in the NCAA tournament if the first one isn't. So, like, the safety net is gone, and Molly Davis is out. But no one said any of this was going to be easy, right? <laughs> this is welcome to basketball, welcome to March. Like, sorry, it got tougher. So what, now what? And uh, now it's time for Iowa to answer that question without one of their biggest playmakers. And that's going to be really difficult. In regards to that injury, I don't know that this is necessarily a positive outlook for the immediate future, but I did see that Molly, I, I caught a photo of her as she was going up the, the hallway, that she was on crutches, wasn't in a wheelchair. Um, so if anything, that's like, she's moving on her own. That's good to see. Um, and whether or not that turns into her playing is obviously, uh, still up in the air and, and probably less likely than, than more likely, but to see her on crutches was a positive thing. I thought, I mean, one good thing for the, in terms of the schedule is that Iowa is off for almost two weeks after. Uh, the Big Ten tournament this weekend. Um, there's next week is the the men's Big Ten tournament, and then after that, the the following weekend is when the NCAA tournament would get underway. So, you know, assuming it's not you know the worst case scenario of like a torn ligament or something like that, then if, if there is any possibility of a return this season, you know there there are almost three weeks from now until when she would uh, play again for Iowa uh, in the NCAA tournament. So. You know, if you're looking for a silver lining, I think that that's maybe it, that if there is good news about the injury, then, you know, there would be some time to rest and recover before uh, uh, before she sees the court. I mean, I, I think this weekend in the Big Ten tournament, obviously, uh, is going to happen too fast for any recovery, it would would be my guess. But um, after that, there you know, there is that gap until the NCAA tournament. So maybe that can help out. And the NCAA tournament is three weekends long, technically. So, you know, even if Molly's not ready for week one, if by some miracle, the start of April is on the table, then, you know, maybe there's something there. But, you know, it it really does feel like that's probably going to be the end of Molly Davis's Iowa career. And gosh, that's such a shame because it's, it really does feel like the rest of the nation is being cheated out of understanding what a joy it is to watch Molly play by not being able to see her on TV for March Madness. Like when those big, big, like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten million 10 uh, million audiences, like that is 
who you really want watching Molly Davis because she is that easy to root for. Um, in fact, I'll, I mean, I'll even tell you guys when I took my sister to a, a game earlier this year, it was the, the, the one game that I uh, watched in a non-work capacity. Uh, she and I both agreed that Molly would have been my mom's favorite, right? Like that is the sort of player that Molly is. I think she's, if, if you were going to pick a non-Caitlin Clark player, which is some stuff my mom would have done. But if you're going to pick a non-Caitlin favorite on the team, I mean, there's no shortage of good options even then. But, you know, Molly is something just different enough, just fun enough, just smart enough. And like she even said, Elliot, at, uh, during her senior day thing, you know, she's not the biggest. She, you don't have to be the biggest. You don't have to be the fastest or the smartest to, to do this at a high level. And she... Is once again like the living proof, the proof of concept. And man, it stinks that we're not going to get tournament Molly this year. Oh, it stinks. The other thing I'll mention here is that Iowa did beat the number two team in the country with her missing oh, yeah. the majority of the game. So that that is something to be said about this team and, and what they're able to do. And golly, I'm going to write about Kylie Fierbach tomorrow. She was awesome today. Awesome. Defensively, ball handling. I mean, I, I was I was really, really impressed. And she's going to be a big part of this team uh, going into next year as well. Um, so as we're talking about the Big Ten tournament, I've got the picture in front of me. We'll we'll talk about this and, and then we'll get out of here. But because it is 11-24. Um, but... Iowa does have a double bye. They will play the winner of Wisconsin and Penn State uh, before, or yeah, in, in their first first matchup. They are the two seed in the tournament. So once they, assuming they beat Wisconsin or Penn State, they are likely to play Indiana in the semifinals before the championship game. So this is where that, one versus two seed becomes very clear in, in who has the advantage versus who doesn't because Ohio state would play Michigan state in the semifinals, though it took a Caitlin Clark wild shot for Iowa to beat Michigan state at home this year, Michigan state versus Indiana as two different things granted as well. Minneapolis is probably going to be Carver Hawkeye Arena North, so Iowa will have an advantage in that regard. Yeah, no, no, probably about it. It will be okay. <laughs> yeah. So one, I guess one thing to one thing ahead. to point out about Indiana, um, this may or may not uh, end up being something notable for the end of the week, uh, but Mackenzie Holmes, who gave Iowa the business in Bloomington the last time they played. Uh, apparently tweaked your name and left the game in the third quarter herself. Uh, didn't return, but at the very least walked off on her own power, uh, was sitting on the bench by the end of the game. We'll see whether or not she can go in the tournament. If she can't, or if Indiana says, hey, you know, let's protect her for March Madness, which, you know, again, like, like you said, Elliot, two weeks is some – it can be some very, very useful two weeks. If Terry Morin says, hey, you know, risking her the 
risking her for the Big Ten tournament when we're already in and we're already going to be a high seed. They're probably already going to be hosting the first two rounds. Like, they might say that it doesn't make sense to risk it with Holmes this soon after tweaking her uh, knee. And if that's the case, then the the math around how Iowa attacks Indiana and vice versa changes quite a bit. So that's something to monitor, especially because uh, Lily Meister, who's a backup forward for the Hoosiers, also like hurt her ankle in the same game. So oh. Iowa is at the very least not the only Big Ten team that all of a sudden has some depth questions. Uh, so we'll see whether or not once all these teams get up to Minneapolis, how much that matters. Anything either you want to add before we hop out? No? Good? Nope. Once again, folks, nope. today today was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, there, there's no other way to put it. A- incredible. My number one sports experience, probably. I'd have to really sit down and think about it because I've had a lot of awesome ones. But I don't I, – it's tough to beat it. I, I, it's tough to beat it. I actually one more thing that I think that we really ought to mention, which is the uh, the the Nike banner that they put up downtown. Yep. That I mean, this is I've always admired the way that Nike takes care of the details. But but for those unaware, uh, they they put up a large, large banner downtown. and, And we're talking several stories large. And it's it's Caitlin in her signature jump shot pose. And the great thing about it is, and and for those of you who want to go see it, it is right across the street from the um, uh, Old Cap parking garage. So it's right there on Burlington uh, for those who want to find it. And I think it's one of the newer uh, buildings that was uh, constructed. So the what, what makes it great is, one, Caitlin is essentially, the, the way they've got it oriented, Caitlin is essentially shooting like banner caitlin is shooting toward carver hawkeye arena so it's it's like from downtown personified so they nailed that and then after as soon as caitlin broke that record they went ahead with part two which was a um another banner a little bit smaller but it was a banner of a hoop with the ball going in and in that typical like nike um you know elegant uh and in in that nike font all it says was it was never a long shot and like, Oh, <laughs> chef's kiss. Mwah. If I were Italian, I'd be doing the, uh, like that is, that is such perfect attention to detail and, and so fitting. And, and I'll, we'll just even call it poetic for a player like Caitlin Clark. So the fact that even the details get taken care of on that sort of a level really speaks to um, how easy it is to, um, I would say cheer for to um, promote Caitlin Clark and and to see her be something that's bigger than basketball, or at the very least at the pinnacle of basketball today as we see it. So yeah, uh, shout out to Nike. I did want to make sure that we said that before we uh, got out of here today. Yes, and they did that commercial. I believe I I was told that they did the commercial on TV as well. But they yeah. posted the the commercial on um, on the big board at halftime after she broke the record, uh, which if you haven't seen it, I'm sure it's on Twitter. I'm sure Nike put it up. It was uh, awesome. 
incredible. I, just like I said, from top to bottom today, including the Nike advertisements, which of course they crush. But uh, one of these days, I, I've tweeted it a few times, one of the days where I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful to do what we do for a job. <laughs> for a job. I've never woken up at 7 a.m. and been like, let's do it for a job before. <laughs> so um here's to here's to days like this and 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 doing we are what we are so lucky to do. The reason we're so lucky to do it is because of folks like you who subscribe iowa.rivals.com and uh get all of the premium content recruiting in basketball and football and of course all the inside information on women's basketball, men's basketball and football from myself, Ross, Adam and the rest of our team at iowa.rivals.com. So if you want to subscribe, we would love to have you. Don't miss out on all that great content that we have for you. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, drop a like, drop a comment. Did you make it to the game today? Who was your favorite celebrity that made it? What's Caitlin going to do next? How far are they going to go in the Big Ten tournament, the national tournament, the NCAA tournament as well? And uh, also... If you're listening, if you might be listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, but you might also not be subscribed. So make sure you do that as well and leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out a lot. We really appreciate it. Anybody and everybody you know, tell them to drop a five-star review so you can keep listening to us here on Hawkcast. Once again, my name is Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough on Twitter, joined by Ross Binder and Adam Jacoby. For now, we will see you next time.